Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome to Conversations with Warrior Women. I am your host, Liz Swadek. These past few weeks have been tough on us. We have had to dig deep and stay sane through the unimaginable. It's hard to stay in the game day after day and not go crazy. I'm hearing from a lot of you that you are overwhelmed, that you're stressed, that you feel out of control, that you feel hopeless. I get it. I feel that way sometimes too. Some days are good and some days are bad. Today, we're going to get some advice and clarity from someone who knows quite a bit about living with intention, balance, and a sense of purpose. I met her years ago, and I have never forgotten her, so I know she's just what we need today. But before we get started, if you want to find out more about me and this show, go to thewarriormoms.co and click on the podcast link. And if you like this podcast, leave us a positive review and subscribe so we can move up in the rankings and keep bringing you warrior women, of course, these great interviews. You can always DM me also at warriorwomenpod on Instagram. Okay, on to our sponsor. I have a new sponsor, Natasha Hemingway. Natasha Hemingway is a meaningful sales coach and speaker. She's spent the last 16 years perfecting a sales system that works and feels authentic. Are you tired of having the same sales conversations and not having positive results? Are you tired of inconsistent sales? Are you tired of hearing no? I am. Natasha teaches you how to use the heart, not the hustle, to make your business a success. She helps you to have a sales confidence so you don't leave money on the table. She gives you a list of action steps to take control of your sales process. She teaches you to pivot in hard times, navigate challenging experiences, and maintain a strong brand image. Let me tell you, Natasha's the real deal. If you're not succeeding in your business, it could be your sales process. It could be your views on selling. Natasha Hemingway can turn your business around. So contact Natasha at natashahemingway.com slash hello. And that's two M's in the Hemingway. natashahemingway.com slash hello. And learn to have an authentic sales process with a focus on something bigger than yourself and bigger than your business. And on with the show. Today, we are talking to Malika Chopra. Malika is a warrior mom, a media entrepreneur, public speaker, and the published author of Just Breathe, Meditation, Mindfulness, Movement, and More, and Just Feel, How to Be Stronger, Healthier, Happier, and More, among other books. Malika shares insights she gained while seeking meaning and balance as a mom and entrepreneur who felt she was overwhelmed by work, family, and too many responsibilities. Sound familiar, guys? Malika has taught us taught meditation to thousands of people, and enjoys speaking to audiences around the world about intention, balance, and living a life of purpose. Welcome to the show, Malika. Hi, nice to talk again. Nice I'm to so glad to see you. Yeah. yeah, likewise. So Malika, we met years ago when I started The Warrior Moms, and I don't know how I got so lucky, but I got to have you speak at my event. And you spoke there, and I'll never... One thing that was just made me just die laughing was you were so funny. You were so funny. Like I was ready to, you know, 
gain the knowledge and sit there and just be still. And when you were talking and telling the stories about how you normally, when you like had problems, went to your mom and not your dad, I, I literally was crying laughing listening to those stories. I thought that was so funny. It had us all in hysterics. But all kidding aside, tell us what was it like to grow up with Deepak Chopra as your dad? Yeah, it's usually the first question I get. And it's, you know, neither my brother or I feel like we had anything different or special. So I think a lot of people have perceptions. You know, when we were kids, um, my dad was a pretty stressed out uh, doctor. And then he discovered meditation. But even after that, people had this perception that, you know, he lived this very holistic life and we'd be, you know, traveling somewhere and, you know, getting a Coke from a soda machine and people would see us and be like, ooh, we're going to tell your father. And we'd laugh and be like, well, we're getting it for our father. Um, And so, you know, I think there's, yeah, so I think there's a perception of things, but we were lucky because as young kids, we got a lot of the tools that helped us through life, um, whether it was meditation and mindfulness tools or just thinking positively or being more aware of our bodies. So for that, I feel very grateful. Yes, absolutely. I think that's so fun. Just, you're right. People think you're living with the Dalai Lama. Like every minute is prayer and meditation and nothing yeah. else and you're eating celery and that's it. Not um, at all. <laughs> you have now become an author and a speakful, speaker in the mindfulness space, but you didn't start out that way. And I think this is really important. So tell us about your career path before you kind of were doing this. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, my, for my brother and I, we grew up in Boston. We went to schools there, went to college. And to be honest, I never wanted to do the kind of stuff that my dad does. After I graduated from college, I had this amazing opportunity. I actually worked with Michael Jackson and launched his Heal the World Foundation. Oh, and then I could, really? Yeah. And oh then I gosh. continued in music and I launched MTV in India. So I was a very entrepreneurial, um, young, adventurous, wandering the world um, and kind of leading this amazing life. Um, because of my work, I ended up going uh, and doing my MBA at Kellogg Business School in Chicago. And I met my husband at a rave in New Delhi. So again, very non-Chopra-esque I mean, type of meeting. Hi, Dad. I met this guy at a rave. Isn't he cool? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got married quite young. Um, and I would say what happened is, you know, I realized uh, in my work journey, um, you know, it started with the MTV experience, but I realized that what I was doing on a daily basis, um, while really cool and fun and exciting in many ways, really wasn't aligned with what I wanted to offer to the world. And so, um, you know, I call it my somewhat messy journey to purpose, peace, and joy. My first, my book was called Living with Intent. Um, that's more for adults. And um, that really is about like these moments in life when we pause, we reflect, we get realigned with our values um, and what what we want to offer and how we want to serve. And so for me, that's kind of been a very um, messy journey, but also a very fulfilling one. And one that I realize continues, like even right now at this stage in my life, I'm kind yes. of recalibrating and figuring it out. Yes. But tell me, was there was there one moment where you kind of realize like, what am I doing? I feel like a lot of the women I talk to, women that are leaping for greatness, personally, professionally trying to do things in the world. I feel like there's, there's like, sometimes there's a moment where you like, are like, what am I doing? Like, did you so have there's several, a moment? Yeah, there's, 
yeah, there are several moments. The first one was when I was um, working for MTV in India and um, we had just sold our biggest sponsorship. It was a very successful day. And we were driving um, home in our fancy uh, air-conditioned car through one of the slums of Bombay. And I just remember while we were drinking our champagne, being stuck in traffic, approaching a group of kids who were blocking the road. And um, as we approached it, we saw that they were mesmerized by something on a roadside stall. And as we approached it, we saw there was a television hanging by wires in there. Um, in the streets of Bombay were um, American kids grinding to hip-hop music in Santa Monica, where I live. And while um, everyone in my car cheered because MTV had reached every corner of the planet, I my heart stopped and I thought, oh my God, what am I doing exactly what you said? Um, and it was one of those moments where I had to actually reconnect with so many of the lessons that my dad had taught us growing up, which was to ask, how can I serve and what do I want? And, um, you know, what do I want for myself, my family, my community? And while I had the dream job, it wasn't aligned with what how I wanted to serve. Um, so that continued, though, at different phases. You know, I was five months pregnant on 9-11, another time in my life um, oh my God. where like all of the excitement and magic and beauty of becoming a mom became fearful and anxious. And I would say when I was 30 pregnant with my daughter, um, I had one of those moments where I really thought, okay, how can I serve um, my family, uh, you know, in this time, my new family that's yet to be formed. And uh, that was when I shifted from kind of the career path I was on um, to going back to so many of the lessons I had learned growing up um, and rediscovering meditation, um, thinking about intentions. My first book was called A Hundred Promises to My Baby. So it was my intentions to be a mom. Um, and so, you know, I've had many of those moments. I, I love that. You know what I, I, what I kind of love about you is if I feel like with Deepak, if I was going to go to Deepak, I'd be like afraid to ask him one question. Like, I don't even know what I would, <laughs> I, there's like an intimidation factor. But what I love about you is you've lived other, other lives. You've done other things. You're a mom. You've, you've had all these experiences and you're unafraid to kind of say, well, yeah, it's a mess. Like, I mean, you know, it wasn't perfect. I mean, it makes everybody feel like we can, maybe we can do what you're doing or we can kind of yeah, look inside. And you know, it's funny because I, I hear that all the time. Oh, you know, she's just like me and, uh, you know, that I'm relatable. It's so funny because my dad is too, but I think my dad, there's a mythology that's yes. evolved around him. No, he is relatable. You're right. Because when yeah. I see interviews, he's very funny and he talks about yeah. like, I used to smoke and I was crazy. And like, I mean, yeah. I think it, you're right. There's just an aura about him. I don't know what it is. It's just like, yeah. ah! um, but anyway, you kind of mentioned this, but I know like a lot of moms, especially women. Yes. Oh my gosh. We're struggling for sanity right now. So what, what advice would you give some moms or some women out there right now that are kind of trying to maintain balance in the state that we're in right now? So, um, yes, another pivotal moment in my life was a few years ago when I was kind of balancing a lot of work and parenting and, you know, just life in general um, and realized um, while I was teaching a group of meditate, a group meditation that I myself um, was completely unbalanced, unfocused, unhealthy on a sugar ramp. Oh, you're teaching it and you're realizing it in the middle of teaching. Exactly. That's amazing. Um, and so, you know, I at that time made a real shift um, to reconnecting with so many of these lessons. So 
recommitting for like the 10th time to my meditation practice, um, being more aware of what I was eating, moving, etc. And so, um, and it began with, that's what my book Living with Intent is, a real process um, of setting those intentions and making small changes that ultimately had impact. But my main uh, advice to women is um, one be self-forgiving. Um, you know, we're all struggling. Uh, ask for help because that's something that's often hard that we don't do. Um, and also think about like the micro intents. Like what can I do today um, that will help me get more focused and balanced? And so, um, you know, I do teach a lot of different meditation techniques, but it can begin. Um, and that's what my kids' books now are about um, with just breathing, taking some pause, um, going for a quiet walk, um, find like just five minutes, um, in your day for self-care. Um, and if you can begin with that, um, you know, it, you start to yearn it and you start to find ways actually, um, to bring it into every aspect of your life. We're all busy. We're all crazy. Um, specifically these days, you know, it's a stressful time. Um, it's a time full of, um, a lot of emotions, um, sadness for some of us, a lot of grief, um, you know, missing out on things, kind of feeling guilty that maybe we're in a good place, but we're still sad. And so, you know, I just like to stress to people that um, all those feelings are kind normal um, and natural. And the first step is to embrace them uh, and kind of go through whatever process you need to go through. Don't feel guilty about it and um, recognize that also in your family and your kids. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's so funny. I've talked to a lot of people, the feeling of the feelings, you, you can't really get around it. Yes. You really can't get around it. Yeah. There's no, you really have to feel it and just try to move through it in whatever way, like you're saying, because I feel like if you don't, if you're resisting, it, it, it makes it worse. You know, you absolutely need to well, and it makes it cry yeah, or whatever. It, be mad, be mad. Well, it makes it worse. Also, physically, we start to hold that in our bodies. So, my my book, Just Feel, is very specific. Again, written for kids, but um, I'm finding adults and teachers love them. Um, which is, you know, start naming your feelings. Um, you know, kind of lean into them. That helps you breathe through them, feel them in your body, um, find ways to release them, to share them, and then you can kind of continue. But the more that we hold on to them, that stress builds up in our bodies as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you've taught med meditation to, I don't know how many people. So why are you such a big believer in meditation? Like, what do you think meditation really does for people? So um, I learned how to meditate when I was nine. So I had mentioned, you know, my so dad was- thought it started early. So now you, yes. that's, why, that's why I can't do it because I started no, I, I didn't start I, when I was nine. Anyone can meditate. So I started when I was nine, but I started because I saw that um, meditation was transforming my parents' personal lives, um, their health, their relationships. And so when my dad taught um, me and my brother, it was like a great gift that we got. But I was a very irregular meditator and have been an irregular meditator most of my life. Um, but when I was nine, I was given some tools that helped me whenever I needed them to discover them. And that's why I've written these books for kids, because I strongly believe that um, kids are smart enough um, at eight to 12. They actually um, are more innocent and more open um, than a lot of adults are. And it really does begin um, with just breathing. Um, you know, when we take a deep breath for that breath, like if you just right now take a deep breath in. I'm going to do it. 
and out. Just taking that breath helps your mind at that moment to stop racing. Um, and so, and when we start connecting with our bodies, we become more aware of the feelings in our bodies. Um, but even taking four breaths, like one that I share with kids is just kind of take your fingers and um, put your thumb to your pinky, take a breath in, and then move to the next finger, breathe out, breathe in, and breathe out. And then you can move to the other hand, but that's a way to connect with your body to take breath. But you will notice just by taking those two deep breaths right now, you pause. Um, and so what meditation does, and there's a lot of research around this, but it helps um, kind of that racing mind, that automatic fight or flight response that we have in stressful situations. It helps us reconnect um, and make more mindful, conscious decisions. Um, and that helps on a whole slew of things. So the reason I'm such a believer in it is it's a tool I've had in my entire life without all the scientific research I know from experience. Now, of course, the scientific research 30, 40 years later um, is catching up uh, to this, you know, these wisdom traditions that have lasted thousands of years. So um, they're si just because they're simple techniques, um, I think a lot of people feel like they can't meditate, like you said, because in their head, they're thinking that they're supposed to do something, they're supposed to empty their mind. That's not it. All you're supposed to do is connect with the breath to when you kind of have racing thoughts to recognize them and go back to the breath. So there are many different meditation practices, um, you know, and I recommend so many of the apps that are out there or other, um, you know, there's so many different types, just kind of find something that works for you. For some people, it may be movement and yoga or dance or going for a run on the, you know, outside um, or just going connecting with nature in whatever way you can. Okay. So there's no wrong way to do it in a weird way. You have to kind of open yourself to the way that it works for you. Exactly. And I think this, or an outside or your, yes. And I think this goes to the core of what the difference between intentions and goals, you know, we live in a very goal oriented society. And so a lot of people um, in the West, particularly, they feel like, okay, I have to get it done this way. That's not what we're doing in meditation. Rather, it's the intention to like connect, to breathe, to pause. And whatever happens in that time is normal and natural and what your body needs at that time. And the last thing that anyone should be doing is getting stressed about their meditation practice. Because or judging themselves how they're doing it. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. I got you. Okay. So, but you said you're an irregular meditator. So tell me what that means. Well, so, I mean, I, you know, I'm almost, like when do you now, want to so, do it and when do you not want to do it? Like you mean yes, stress so, and then you bring it back in or yeah. Yeah. So I've gone through phases where I meditate, um, you know, once or twice a day. Um, and I'll do that for years at a time, but then I've gone through years where I don't. And then what happens is I reach this like crisis stressful moment um and then I'm like oh I have you know there is that practice that I have um and at different times in my life um you know different practices have worked more recently only in the last year I would say have I discovered yoga 
Um, whereas before, if you asked me to do downward dog, I couldn't even like do that. Um, but I'm finding that I love the physical um, connection and the breath and slowing down that way. Um, but, you know, a regular meditation practice has the best benefits. So when you go and you learn meditation from some places, they'll recommend half an hour in the morning and half an hour in the afternoon. I haven't done that, I think, for 30 years. Um, and so uh, you that's know, because you're a mom. Yes, exactly. So, you know, especially when my kids were younger, I would find kind of 15 to 20 minutes in the middle of the day before they came home from school, where I could just have my tea, do my meditation. And that kind of provided my anchor. These days, my kids are much older, so I have a lot more flexibility. So I'm trying to do, you know, like 10 to 15 minutes in the morning, and if I can in the afternoon as well. But a regular meditation practice is really what gives you the best benefits. But Honestly, I'm all about do what works for you. Totally. And can you, do, I mean, I guess you can do it with your kids too. I mean, you can't, I mean, yes. I, yes, we need our alone time. Don't get, don't hear what I'm not saying. But you also could do that as a thing you do with your kids so that everybody can kind of take a break and, you know, focus on their breasts and everybody can kind of de stress. So it's something you can yes. do with them. Did you do it with so your my? Yeah, so my books, Just Breathe and Just Feel, that's exactly what they are. They're full of exercises that um, you can do alone with your kids, that your kids can do. So that everything from taking a mindful walk outside, um, so no devices, just being quiet, observing what's happening, um, having a mindful meal, like even in the first three minutes of your meal, like just appreciating all the tastes, sounds, textures of the food, um, having a gratitude practice. So, you know, again, um, once a day thinking of something and sharing with each other what you're grateful for, setting an intention in the morning. I mean, there's so many things that we can do with kids and there are meditation practices in there as well, um, but it doesn't always have to be just being quiet. Okay, I like that. I like that. I have to get that book because I have a, a ten or now eleven and thirteen year old, and I think we I think we need this book. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been the biggest change? Would you say personally for you since the pandemic started? Have you have you str- found yourself struggling or or thriving or a little bit of both? Like, how has it been in in your house? So my kids are older, so um, you know I, I don't envy those who have younger kids. How my old kids are. Your kids? Are your kids like so, in college? Uh, no, I have an eighteen-year-old. She's a senior in high school, and um, a fifteen-year-old who's a uh, ninth grader in high school. So okay. they've been really busy. But in our house, there is a lot of sadness because my senior is missing everything. All of her. I was just gonna say you have a graduate. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just sad because, you know, her school has so many traditions and she's missing out. But as I mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, at the same time, we're so lucky, like where we live, we have resources. And so, you know, there's also um, almost guilt with feeling sad, but that grief and sadness is real. Um, So we're just finding, trying to find ways to every day celebrate, be grateful. Um, You know, she can't see her friends in the same way that she thought she would be. Um, So, and she's a very social being. My other daughter is more of an introvert and loves her video games. Um, So she's having a ball because she, I'm like, (laughs) she's connecting and playing video games with her friends and that's the way they connect. So I think this time for me and my family, and my husband is home, um, which you know, is a whole new world because he travels most of the time. So oh my we're also God. trying so to he's there like, all the time. 
exactly. He has, you know, normally he's gone 50% of the time and now he's here 100% of the time. So that um, is also uh, requiring recalibration. Uh, and so, you know, we're all figuring it out, but um, I'm making a real commitment particularly in this time, um, to go for walks, to do a yoga, something every day and to meditate. Um, and also my habit is to kind of go really into sugar. Um, and, uh, you know, and so for me, it's also, um, kind of finding the balance of like not having, um, you know, a chocolate cake every single day, <laughs> which is hard. Yeah, exactly. That takes that's what you want to, to do. not have it every day. Yeah, um, that that is that's amazing. So, but so you mentioned this a little bit. I, I was going to ask you about this actually. It is hard being home with our, our significant others, even even if they have been home. I mean, yours travels all the time, so that's a big change for you. Mine usually went to an office, so like now he's home. And I found that I well, we we kind of rearranged the house. I said, well, no one's coming to this house, so if I want to put a ping pong table in my living room. Who the hell is going to stop me? Nobody. So we've we've commandeered the guest room for him as an office. We've commandeered the den for me as an office. And I found that like having our own little spaces, even mine's not even a room. It's a corner. I don't even get, but it just, you know, everybody has their place they can retreat. That seems to be helping. Is there anything else you think kind of could help couples right now? Because I know it's kind of hard, like just being with each other all the time. The walks definitely help. The walks definitely help. Um, but is there any other advice you have for couples that are kind of like, ah, yeah, no, we've done the same. Like he's kind of, we've, you know, I'm sitting in our bedroom. He's, uh, has his little room downstairs and then our kids are studying, you know, everybody's on zoom all day long. Um, so I think giving each other space for sure. Um, I definitely think, um, exercising um, and letting out a lot of the stress and like what's just yes. building up. And that's important, I think, for everyone. Yes. Um, you know, of course, um, you know, by nature, the laundry and the dishes and um, I end up all day long um, just doing that in between my calls. And that has created a lot of stress and tension. Um, and so, you know, I think I'm also one, um, articulating more how much I need help from everybody giving chores and rather than just trying to do it myself and feel angry at everyone, um, I am actually really making an effort, even if they get annoyed, to make them do it because it's just, you know, at this point we can't do it all. A hundred percent. I actually ended up ordering that one potato meal service because yeah. I was like, these kids are old enough to cook and they have never really cooked, but guess what? They're cooking. So yeah. it's nice for me. Yep. And no, we did this. Yeah, we did the same. And you know, my, yeah, no, and my 18 year old, it's great because she'll hopefully make it to college. Um, and so, uh, but she's been uh, cooking two to three meals a day with those services as well. It's great. Yeah. I think that's a great thing just to take that. I mean, it's so funny just taking something out of the routine, like having your kids even take on one of the tasks, just like taking it off your list. It makes me feel so much better. So that's such good advice. Um, tell, so your new book is just feel how to be stronger, happier, healthier, and more. And this is for kids. This is a kid. Now, I, I, my favorite book in the world that you wrote is Living with Intent. I, I actually you. go back to that often because it has, you're right, like a diagram in there. It has actual ways to like when you're feeling out of balance and you're feeling kind of like you don't know what you're doing in your life, you can go back through there and check in with it, which I really like. So I, I go back Thank to you. it a lot. So I love it. Thank you for that book. Um, so this new book is for kids. So how, what age kid do you think this book is for? Yeah. So I wrote um, Just Breathe and then Just Feel. And I have another one coming out next year, which will be called Just Be You. Um, they are 
books for kids, eight to 12 year olds. Okay. Um, they're illustrated. Um, they're full of just one page lessons, um, which are very practical. And what I'm finding, you know, and I, like I said, I learned at that age, which is why I feel like kids at that age um, can grasp and do these things by themselves. But they also are turning out to be great for parents, teachers, librarians, mentors, because they're just full of exercises. Um, and they're really simple. They are like the, you know, hand breathing exercise that we talked about, um, you know, how to do a mindful walk, how to take 10 mindful steps, how to connect with your body. So you can think of just breathe as really just the meditation, mindfulness exercises. Mm -hmm. Just feel is really about social and emotional intelligence, about grit and resilience and actually things that we, a lot of us are dealing with right now. Oh my God, um, the emotions. Be a time to read that book, Malika. Oh my yeah. God. Thinking about what does it mean, the difference between um, being alone versus lonely, um, how to reach out to people. So that is much more, I would say, the mental and feeling side of things um, as well. You know, I think people don't realize I have one of those daughters who's a super high functioning, like just take everything on in the world and happy, happy, joy, joy. And it wasn't until I started saying at the dinner table, let's go around and say where we are on a scale from one to 10. And one day she said, I'm a two. And I swear I almost fell out of my chair. I didn't yeah. even know that she yeah. was struggling or, you know, sometimes you don't know with kids, like kind of where they are. So what's your advice, like dealing with kids right now? Like, I mean, how do we kind of, I mean, I know this book is a great way in, it's a great way in, but like, how else do we kind of access like their feelings right now? Cause I just feel like some of them, I mean, some of them are very good and they'll just tell us, right. I'm, I, I miss my friends. This is hard, but I have one like your, like your uh, daughter too, who's on, he's on the Fortnite and could care less what day it is. Doesn't care. Happy as a clam. But my daughter, it's harder. Cause like, she's kind of holding, I think she's trying to hold it together for me. Well, so yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to recognize that um, each kid expresses themselves in different ways. So even my younger one who is on the computer all day and playing video games, um, she's also really lonely. And that's just the way she's kind of doing it. She's going into a shell, whereas my older one, who's more expressive, um, actually just cries it out and then moves on. And so I think it's important to recognize that um, just like we uh, experience things differently and our spouse may, each of our kids is also uh, kind of living through this in their own unique way. So I think it's one, it's important as a parent to recognize that each one um, is experiencing it in a different way and just finding ways to connect with them. So actually with my younger one, what happened is um, she goes into this virtual world. And so um, we ended up... Um, you know, I'm now on Nintendo Switch playing Animal Crossing with her, as is my nephew, who's like 11. Um, and so it's like now that's become actually we've kind of finding ways to connect with your kids in their format. Um, and so, um, you know, of course, we go for walks, we do our meditations, we do everything else. We have our family dinners, but I'm also trying to find ways to connect with her on her platforms. Um, and then, so, that is you know, a really good piece of advice. Yes. Yeah. And then my older one, you know, as a, you know, she's the young adult, she's like, um, you know, I'm letting her kind of these days at least go for drives or a distance walk with friends um, or one friend at a time with their masks. Like we're finding ways to um, stress the difference between physical distancing and social distancing, you know? And so I really like want it to be physical distancing. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't connect in other ways. 
Yes, I agree. Because you know what? We ha- we're isolated, but we don't want to isolate. That's what's so hard about this time, right? Like we don't want to make make ourselves feel like we are really alone. We want to know that we can connect. So that's that's very true. All right, Malika, it's on to my speed round questions. This is my favorite part of the interview all the time. Um, what is your cocktail of choice? Japanese whiskey. So I have my okay, Nobody has ever said that <laughs> Japanese whiskey. What, what kind? What is the brand of this Japanese whiskey? Uh, yeah, I'm obsessed with Hibiki. Um, you know, it's <gasps> Japanese whiskey. It's like all I drink. I love it. It's <laughs> not on the rocks? Nope, I just have it straight. It's great. <laughs> you are a powerful woman, Malika Shakura. Okay. What is a mantra, or I'm sure you have a hundred, or, or quote you live by? Um, don't take life too seriously. It's what my dad always taught me and my brother. That's a really, that's a really good one. I like that. Um, what's a simple thing you do for yourself, like a self-care tip that we can do? I do my meditation. So I find, I recommend you find your, your practice. Um, for me, it's a kind of just 10 minutes of being quiet, um, focusing on breath. And I use, um, you know, a sound to kind of just settle my mind. But I would recommend find what works for you, whether it's through apps or, you know, movement or in my books, there are very many simple exercises. Okay. I'm going to get those books. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with my kids. So I mean, that's how I'm going to do it. Um, what makes you feel unstoppable? Um, gosh, I think my, my kids, you know, we do it like you you just have to keep going. You have to figure it out. Um, that's, and also it's kind of the love and the joy and the everyday experiences that we have with them, even though it's fraught with also frustration, um, at the end of the day, it's the love, um, for them and the inspiration that they bring to life. I love it. Um, who do you most admire? My parents, um, I really do. I'm very lucky. Um, Not just my father that everyone knows, but my mom, who really is, uh, for me, the epitome of everything that it means to be a mother. Um, And I've talked in the past, like my mother has never apologized for being a mother. She was a stay-at-home mom. She focused on our, you know, her family and our extended family. And because of that, we all are very, um, you know, grateful. I love that. I love that. Um, what is exciting you the most right now? So, yeah, when I saw this question... It's hard. Sometimes this is a hard question. <laughs> well, and especially right now, because we, you know, usually I'm excited about a trip or something like that. I know, I right, a, yes. Right now I'm approaching that on a daily basis. And so, like, literally today I'm really excited because my friend and neighbor has found, like, some knife sharpening company that will <laughs> come to your house. And so I'm, like, taking out my knives. And so when this guy comes with his mask, um, like I'll let him go in the kitchen and sharpen knives. I'm telling you, it's one day at a time, one hour at a time right now. First of all, I know exactly what you're saying. My dog groomer, she called me. She's a mobile dog groomer. She's like, guess what? I'm like, stop it. Can you come to the house and clean the dogs? Can this happen? I mean, it's right. It's the little victories. and, And also just a change from the monotony. Like if my friend's like, I'm gonna come by and take a walk with you. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it's just like things that I used to just think there were no big deal. Now I've become the biggest deal of my life. Malika, thank you so much for doing this thank today. You. Thank yeah, you for thank talking you to for us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And good so luck good. with everything. <laughs> thank you. I'm so, yeah. I'm so glad to reconnect with you because I really have never forgotten you. And, oh, and I feel like this is why, because I love talking. Great. So thank, thank you. you.
Thank you so much. Okay, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. This is Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.